1: Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today, including uh, special guest Mark Shulman. He's the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. He's located in Tel Aviv today. We'll be speaking to him about uh, global news. We'll also visit with Larry Reed, President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education And former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author Jim McTagg will be joining us as well. It is June the 5th and on this day in 1968, Senator Robert Kennedy was shot in the Ambassador Hotel in Los Angeles After winning the California presidential primary, immediately after he to his cheering supporters that the country was ready to end its uh, fractious divisions, Kennedy was shot several times by 24-year-old Palestinian Sirhan Sirhan. He was pronounced dead a day later on June the 6th. The summer of 1968 was a tempestuous time in American history. Both the Vietnam War and the anti-war movement were peaking. Martin Luther King Jr. had been assassinated in the spring, igniting riots across the country. In the face of this unrest, President Lyndon B. Johnson decided not to seek a second term in the upcoming presidential election. Robert Kennedy, John's youngest brother and former U.S. Attorney General, stepped into the breach and experienced a groundswell of support. Kennedy was perceived by many to be the only person in American politics capable of uniting the people. He was beloved by the minority community for his integrity and devotion to civil rights causes. After winning California's primary, Kennedy was in a position to receive the Democrat nomination and face off against Richard Nixon in the general election. As star athletes Rayford Johnson and uh, Roosevelt Greer accompanied Kennedy out uh, a rear exit of the Ambassador Hotel, Sir Hans Sir Han stepped forward with a rolled-up campaign poster hiding his 22 revolver. He was only a foot away when he fired several shots at Kennedy. Greer and Johnson uh, wrestled Sir Han to the ground, but not before five bystanders were wounded. Greer was distraught after the end, blamed himself for allowing Kennedy to be shot. Sirhan was born in Palestine, Palestine, I should say. Confessed to the crime at his trial and received a death sentence on March the third, nineteen sixty-nine. However, since California State Supreme Court had invalidated all death penalty sentences in nineteen seventy-two, Sirhan had spent the rest of his life in prison. <clears throat> According to the New York Times, he had since said he was believed Kennedy was instrumental in the oppression of Palestinians. Hubert Humphrey ended up running for the Democrats in 1968, but lost to Nixon. And it's so interesting and almost ironic that now his son, Robert Kennedy Jr., is running for president uh, on the presidential ticket for for the primary. His book, *The Real Anthony Foucher, is a fantastic read, and I encourage if you haven't read it it's a fantastic i just encourage you to take a look at it again i've said this before but if we had to have a democrat president and i don't want one i would choose kennedy i think he'd be the best candidate <clears throat> well the dust, well the uh, with the debt ceiling crisis averted strong job numbers and ai hype cycled as a fever pitch, the tech-heavy Nasdaq clinched its sixth straight week uh winning week last week, its longest weekly string since 2020, but some investors think this rally could crack like a hard-shell taco. Uh, bearish bets on the stock market from hedge funds and other speculators are at their highest levels since 2007, according to the Wall Street Journal. <clears throat> so stay tuned. Maybe the uh market is climbing a wall of worry, as they say. In a recent study analyzing the places in Florida with the highest per capita wealth, Collier County nabbed the second-place spot on the, among the 67 counties. To identify the wealthiest counties, financial technology company Smart Asset compared to all U.S. counties across the, the three metrics, investment income generated by each county, property value, and per capita income. The Western Gateway to the Everglades, the Southwest County, is known for its growing development and huge homes, in addition to boost some of the wealthiest cities in the entire country with Naples and Marco Island. Key West Monroe County took first place uh, on the list. As for the lowest county in the uh, state, Glade County had a median income of $38,000 and investment income of $20,804. So... Just another reason to really cherish the whole notion that we're living here in Paradise on the Paradise Coast. Rhonda Sanders signed legislation that more easily allow out-of-state teachers to work in Florida through a new compact Florida joined the Interstate Teacher Mobility Compact, which is an interstate occupational license year agreement. The law will allow Florida to accept teachers from other states that have joined the compact. Out-of-state teachers with an eligible license can be granted an equivalent license in Florida without having to do any additional coursework or testing. I think this is a big deal. I remember having dinner with... A woman who had moved down from Connecticut, she had been teaching for 20 years, and uh, she was told that if she wanted to teach here in Florida, she had to go through and complete all the licensure work, which she was unwilling to do. It's just absurd because she was extremely well-qualified. Well, this solves this problem. The teacher transferring states would simply have to present their originating state certification and pass any background screening requirement implemented uh, by the receiving state. The compacts are usually constitutionally authorized, legislatively enacted, and legally binding agreements among states. The model becomes effective after 10 states join the Interstate Teacher Mobility Compact. To be eligible, a license <clears throat> must require a bachelor's degree and completion of a state-approved program for teachers' licensure, like a teaching preparation program at a college or university. According to the website Nevada Utah, Colorado, Kansas, Oklahoma, and Kentucky and now Florida have enacted the interstate teacher mobility contract. The legislation is pending in Washington, Oregon, California, Nebraska, Indiana, Ohio, New uh, Jersey, Louisiana, uh, Mississippi, Alabama, and Georgia. The legislation passed unanimously in the House and in the Senate. So That's a good news again anytime you can lower the barriers to entry to help Professionals like teachers and doctors and nurses uh, to uh, get on board, it's a good thing, in my opinion. Well, f- speaking of barriers to entry, Florida uh, Republican Florida Senator Marco Rubio led an introduction of a bill Thursday that would limit how accrediting agencies weigh race <clears throat> during a higher education institution's accreditation process. Under the Fairness and Higher Education Accrediting Act, institutions of higher education accrediting agencies would be prohibited from considering a university's diversity, equity, inclusion policies, or lack thereof, as criteria for its accreditation. This is a big deal. Uh, Rubio introduced the legislation Thursday alongside two co-sponsors, Mike Lee and uh, Rick Scott, Wokeness should not be mandatory, he told the uh, DCNF. I am proud to introduce the Fairness in Higher Education Accreditation Act, which would protect free speech on college campuses and seek to prevent a politicized Department of Education from further forcing diversity, equity, and inclusion policies in higher education. Now, this just does isn't in school. This is also uh, in medical schools, for example, that are... Apparently, pressure, if they don't approve uh, diversity and the other issues, if they don't include them in the policies, uh, they are threatened with non-accreditation. That's just absurd. The bill would uh, bar crediting agencies from examining a university's use of affirmative action in their admission process or considering the racial composition of the school's accepted applicants, students, and faculty as criteria for accreditation. Under the legislation, the IHE accrediting agencies would be required to weigh how the university ensures the right of free inquiry on campus. We need to make sure that no school is judged based on whether a DEI agency is used, Scott said. What we uh, care about in Florida is academic success so students can get great jobs after graduation. That's why our state has been ranked number one for higher education in the United States in the U.S. News and World Report for six years running. I'm proud to sponsor the Fairness and Higher Education Accredited Act to bring needed accountability to our colleges and universities and also to medical schools. Isn't that amazing that this would need to be done in this day and age? Well, perhaps not. Both of uh, Florida's U.S. senators, by the way, voted against the debt ceiling deal, which was passed 63 to 36 on Thursday night and was signed by Biden this weekend. Florida Republican Senators Marco Rubio and Rick Scott voted down the measure after it cleared the U.S. House with around half of the Florida's Republican uh, Republican representatives. Excuse me. In a press release, Scott announced uh, office slammed the deal for allowing U.S. debt to eventually hit $35 trillion. I voted no today because the legislation will only bury us deeper in debt and does nothing to stop the rampant inflation Biden and the Democrats have caused with their addiction to reckless government spending, Scott said. They will never come to a day when the permanent political class in either party in Washington will stand up in favor of curtailing runaway spending and debt, he continued, the politicians in Washington will never accept that they are going wrong, so we have to force change. He's absolutely right about that. Rubio indicated that the vote from him was torn about the deal and was concerned about the defense of spending, defense spending, I should say, worried the Pentagon budget would decrease overall because of inflation. Under the deal, which is officially entitled the Fiscal Responsibility Act, uh, spending for the 2024 fiscal year would remain relatively stable, Furthermore, for the year 2025, the agreement would enforce a cap on spending increases of 1%. As per the agreement, medical care for veterans would also receive full funding in the levels outlined in the president's uh, proposed budget. Additionally, the deal includes provisions to uh, pause the allocation of funds for hiring new Internal Revenue Service agents while also reclaiming approximately $30 million in unutilized COVID relief funds Uh, from Congress. However, some conservative members of Congress, including many representing Florida, vehemently opposed the deal for suspending the debt limit for two years. So believe this or not, and I don't know why McCarthy agreed to this, first of all, pushing it off until 2025, uh, suspending the debt ceiling so it can go anywhere between now and then and only be uh, reconciled and dealt with after the elections. It's a bad deal. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you visit the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also by Life in Naples magazine, be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of historycentral.com. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. (laughs) Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's
0: 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton.
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Larry Reed, President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Right now we have with us Mark Shulman. Mark is a founder and publisher of a terrific multimedia website, kid, great for kids of all ages, including you and I. It's called HistoryCentral.com. Mark, thank you so much for joining us here on the show.
2: Always a pleasure,
1: Bob. Thank you, Mark. Mark is, uh, by the way, located in Tel Aviv, and uh, there's been a lot of news in Tel Aviv. Uh, Mark, how's everything going over there?
2: Okay, mixed mixed stories here. On one hand, the demonstrations continue against the potential judicial overhaul, although it's looking more and more like um, the government is going to give up on that. It's not at all clear. Mm. There's so many different cross currents, but it looks like that's what's going to happen. The other news here was uh, not so good on, I guess it was Saturday night the Friday night, I guess it was. Um, th- three Israeli soldiers were killed on the Egyptian border uh. when some Egyptian policemen uh, crossed the border. Israel Israel's at peace with Egypt. And he ambushed two soldiers that were in some sort of a um, guard post on uh, a 12-hour shift and then later killed someone else when they came after him. So that's been a major... Um, a major news item here in Israel for the moment. Um, the Egyptian border is considered the one of the quietest. It's a very long border for Israel, and maintaining it is a challenge, to say the least.
1: So, oh, so interesting. So uh, let's uh, move to news in Ukraine.
2: Okay. So it's looking like, and this is so hard to know because the fog of war is very, you know, is very <clears throat> strong, especially at times like this when everyone wants to keep the fog. But it's looking like in the last 24 hours the Ukrainians may have launched their offensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't know too much. We don't know exactly where this part of it's in the Donbas, a little further north. It's not at all clear. This comes after a, a group of days when Russian Russians aligned with Ukraine have been attacking various towns and villages inside Russia on the near the border area, creating havoc. Hmm. And um, also, it seems they have sabotage units behind the lines, also creating havoc inside Russia right now, which, of course, is a tremendous embarrassment, obviously, to Putin. And it, com- it, it complicates his defense now against the offensive in Ukraine, because he has to theoretically pull troops out to try to stop these insurgents. And so we'll have to see what happens. I'm, I'm an optimist when it comes to this. I actually, you know, I think I said this before, I think the Russian army may fall apart, but we will see.
1: Yeah, you have said that. It, well, uh, it's it just curious to me, again, could this be propaganda, or is this, I mean, how do they know that these are insurgents or, or people from the other side? What's the source of information on that?
2: Well, both the, peop- the people taking responsibility claim they are Russians. I see. Um, and the, the Russians admit they're Russians. Okay. So, so there's, no, there's no question who these people are. Um, there is opposition to, to, now some of these are very far right wingers. is one, one group is considered neo-Nazi, but the others are, the other are just opposition to, to Putin. I mean, there's a lot of opposition to Putin. Everyone's afraid of it, but obviously it's a little, I mean, you're going into war obviously, but it's a little less, it's problematic when you're part of a militia, a militia group that's fighting against him.
1: So uh, his popularity so. was quite high just a few months ago, I think at close to 70% or something like that. How's that going now?
2: what i understand it's dropped When the realization especially once some of these bombs have started landing in, inside of russia the realization that this might be real and it's not only what he can or they can do to ukraine but that there could be something ukraine can do to russia has dropped that that popularity yeah um how much we don't know you know opinion polls are incredibly uh, unuseful when it comes to things like russia because you don't know whether anyone's telling you the truth or not. Yeah. And so th- there is no way of knowing. You know, are they afraid you're a government spy? Is the answer going to come out? So you really don't know what, you know, what you're really getting is, is true information or not
1: true information. So I, mean, I think what you're suggesting of the tea leaves are, are uncertain, but uh, nevertheless it indicates that uh, perhaps uh, right now Russian army is weakening and uh, doesn't have the resolve to win this thing, and therefore it might be uh, leading to a Ukrainian victory.
2: Right, I mean, look, they they won, quote-unquote, the Battle of Bakhmut. They captured Bakhmut, uh, but they lost eight times as many troops as the Ukrainians did. Hmm. And at at this point, from what I understand, the Ukrainians in the last day have recaptured part of Bakhmut. So a real fair victory, to say the least. Um, And that was part of the Ukrainian goals, was to to bloody them. And um, look, what, you know, the Ukrainians are fighting on their own land. Mm-hmm. What are the Russians fighting for, exactly? It's really hard to motivate soldiers in situations like this. Mm-hmm. So, um, And Ukrainians, in some ways, are better equipped between the Western arms that they've received and some of the interesting electronics they themselves have developed. I think they will be outgunning the Russians on top of uh, anything else.
1: That's so interesting. We will see.
2: I mean, things will develop in the next week. I uh, will hear all sorts of conflicting reports. In other words, don't believe anything you hear.
1: <laughs> okay. No, I don't. <laughs>
2: no, I mean, absolutely. You, I mean, okay. You know, we generally say that you and I we have a discussion about how much accurate news is and everything else. And you know, there are questions about general news coverage, etc. But in the middle of an offensive operation in a war, yeah, the the, the goal of both armies is disinformation.
1: Right. So, so.
2: So so keep that in mind when the Russians say they have repulsed the. The um, attack, well, just you know, it's the same way the Egyptians repulsed the Israelis in 1967. So it d- doesn't necessarily mean anything at all. It usually means the opposite.
1: I understood. So, so let's wait, where we do know what's happened is happening in India, and what a terrific train wreck that uh, was in India.
2: Absolutely, it's an absolute <laughs> tragedy. The, U- the Indians <laughs> almost more than anyone else rely on on their trains to to connect it. I mean, it's a huge country. I mean, they've developed a pretty big civil aviation and industry but it's expensive relative to the train travel the british you know one of the good things you, know, you you look back and you look at history right and if you look back it was good to be a british colony mm-hmm. not so good to be a french colony terrible to be a belgium colony but the brits wherever they went they built railroads they built courthouses they built things they you know they left behind a um Infrastructure in almost every country that they colonized. You know, we should we shouldn't have gotten independence so quickly. We would have waited another thirty, forty years. Who knows what we could have had in America? Hmm. But uh, <laughs> the British really, really did that in, in, a lot of, in India. Particularly, they built an extensive rail network that, of course, has been expanded since independence. But you know these situations. Look, we tend to see some of these greatest tragedies in countries that have highest populations, because I assure you there were. Many times as many people on that Indian train, and they were on the average Amtrak train.
1: Well, I think it's close to 300 people that have died, and hundreds Correct. more that have been injured. So it must have been just a horrific crash.
2: No, absolutely, it was an absolutely horrific crash. Not nine cars uh, left the rails and turned over, and everything else related to that. And it's a horrific situation. Um, but as of today, they resumed uh, tr- travel on those same
1: tracks. Wow, that's so interesting. Mark, just need to take a little break. Can you stick around?
2: Absolutely, Bob. All
1: right, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
1: You have questions about your retirement?
0: Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob
1: Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. They get the politics and know the policy. They help prepare elected officials to have winning strategies going into their state legislatures. You can find out more by visiting the website, the FGA org, the FGA.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. Right now, we continue the conversation with Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. Again, Mark, thank you so much for joining us.
2: Always a pleasure, so, uh, Mark.
1: So, uh, Mark, right now, OPEC has made a, a, an important decision with regard to energy around the world. Maybe, Right, can... I, it, was
2: a, it was a contentious <clears throat> meeting, um, they were looking to have a serious pullback in production because the price of energy keeps on dropping. And, um, so in the end, they couldn't really reach an agreement. The only thing that happened was Saudi Arabia said they would, uh, they would cut back by a million barrels a day of their, um, of their oil production. And so everyone else went along with the continued production. Current, currently, no one else is decreasing. Huh. No one's obviously increasing. Um. And we expect the minimal impact on the price of oil. It's continuing its slow drop uh, downward. Um, so we're past the, the COVID period. We're past the Ukraine war period, and the natural and as solar and other renewable energies become cheaper uh, to produce, I think long, long term we're going to see a continued decrease in the price of of oil and, eventually, gas as
1: well. Interesting. So, uh, do you think this is a leading indicator of recession coming?
2: No. I don't think it's a, look, I don't know, you know, we've been talking, people have been talking about a recession for a year now, and <clears throat> is no, there has not been a recession. Right. Um, so, it, China has not grown as fast as expected, but again, I think a lot of it really has to do with fundamental changes in the marketplace. Mm. And, you know, also remember something else, that there are few people who came because of Ukraine. Countries like Norway, which are not part of OPEC, have become more important producers. And the U.S. has been producing, um, for the last year, the, the rate of increase has been very rapid. Um, so the U.S. has been producing more and more, both oil and gas. So OPEC's power has decreased. Mm-hmm. But, again, uh, long term, it is cheaper right now to produce energy from a solar plant um, than it is from a from a gas oil plant. And that's only going to go further in the other direction over the years. So think about it that way. I mean, eventually, uh, the price, the, the need for oil is going to decrease as more and more people get a, electric cars. Um, you know, you can make all the arguments of what the cost of the environment and all these other things possibly, and but what it's clear is they don't need gasoline.
1: Huh. Yeah, well... So, Again, I'm not sure if we're factoring into the cost of the uh, equipment wearing out or destruction of the equipment. I, after again,
2: sp- <laughs> I, I'm not talking about the economics. Well, okay. The, but the economic, yes, the economics of, of the equipment is factored in, in terms of the cost of, and the amortization of it. Again, it really doesn't matter the exact place you're at.
1: Uh-huh. The
2: equ- issue is the curve, uh-huh. and the curve keeps on getting less expensive. Interesting. So um, ultimately, oil is going to lose out, oil and gas.
1: I guess that explains why uh, uh, Saudi Arabia and other countries are trying to figure out alternative f- forms of income coming in as uh, their oil production reduces.
2: Absolutely. They understand what the future is. Look, it doesn't require, you know, there's some things in life, you know, like, like for instance, the war in Ukraine that came as completely unexpected, right? I mean, no one expected that. Or a few or few people expected it. Let's be more more uh, accurate. But, um the reality is uh, certain things like, like energy are totally, you know, demographics will, will uh, calculate all that for us. Yeah. So
1: Let's move to uh, Poland. There are protests in Poland. What's going on?
2: A half a million people came out yesterday, uh, yesterday <clears throat> Sunday yeah, in, in Poland, demonstrating against the government. The government has been uh, cut back, took over the court system, and is talking about making certain pe- making it illegal for certain people to run in the elections. Um, so on one hand, Poland's been a good ally of the United States this past uh, past few months or first year and a half in terms of Ukraine there. They stepped up. They're probably the number one supporter of Ukraine. They also have a large army at this point. On the other hand, their democracy is so-so, let's put it that way.
1: Yeah, I mean, say it would be surprising. They fought so hard during the Second World War in uh, protests against uh, communist Russia and the Soviet Union and uh, I would think it would be part of their culture to uh not lose what they've uh, worked so hard to gain
2: well absolutely, but again <laughs> you you have people in power and they manage <clears> to gain power and, and and they are playing the the current government is popular amongst uh right wing Catholics and the rural population and you' have, you have again a situation where the rural people support the government much more than the urban population does mm. Um, so, and the older people support more than the young people do. Sound familiar?
1: Yes, it does. Well, stay tuned. I guess there we'll see what what developments occur. How about uh, uh, Hong Kong? I know this is uh, close to the anniversary of the Tiananmen Square.
2: To the square they were forced to bring back to, to, to close an exhibition. Um, look, China is a complicated place, um, and the Chinese don't like it You know, any sort of um, protests in any which way. Um, they managed to hold off all these years. It's an interesting, complicated place, though, because there is a certain level of, of dissent that takes place under, underneath mm-hmm. when it comes to good governments and local governments and things of that nature. But, you know, we're... Let me put it this way. Uh, there's a clash coming. Whether we can avoid it or not, I do not know. Um, it really depends on... If their economy keeps on doing well, then I don't think there'll be a clash ultimately because it's more important that the people do well. But if the economy goes south at some point, then someone's going to have to be blamed and it'll have to become a nationalistic issue.
1: So that there's uh, I mean, the, the economy, well, I guess we don't know a lot about the economy. We do know there was a real estate issue and uh, loans uh, in, uh, in China. How's the economy doing? How do we know?
2: We don't really know. It theoretically has, is, is growing, not as fast as expected, but it is growing again after COVID and everything else. Um, but we don't really know because we really don't know whether we can trust the official figures or not. Yeah. That's always the big problem in China.
1: And there's uh, some, uh, I would suggest... Uh, and of
2: course, we know the, the overlaying problem they have is the fact that they had the most successful social experience in history, one child for family. Mm-hmm. And now they're running out of out of workers. I mean, the whole world has this problem right now where the number of um, people giving birth is, in certainly the northern hemisphere of the world, is dropped way below um, reproductive numbers. Uh, China has it particularly strong because of the one child. They're trying to turn that around. But the Chinese have gotten to the point where it's expensive to bring up a child. They... You know, they go to so many different extracurricular activities and everything else you can imagine, and so that's all very, very expensive. And so one child is enough to a lot of families.
1: Yeah, and, and Japan so just real demographic announced... challenge. Yeah, Japan just announced its birth rate has plummeted to a seventh straight year to a record low. Uh, this is occurring all across the globe.
2: Right, at all of the Northern Hemisphere. In mm-hmm. other words, it's not quite true, true in Africa and in India, in those places, but all of the Northern Hemisphere... That's the case. It's the case in Russia. It's the case in Ukraine. It's the case in England, France, Sweden. You name it. The United States and Canada. Uh, the only the countries that do better are the ones that are getting more immigrants. That's the solution in many cases. Yeah. Basically, importing from the south. Yeah. And that that's the only way to make up for the losses. So before, uh, population. B- m- before so we no move one on, though, really discuss that.
1: Yeah. Is is there any uh, relevance or importance to the fact that these two ships came very close to each other in the uh, near China, I guess it was near Korea, but the Chinese.
2: Yeah, look, look there, there are going to be incidents like that a lot in the coming months and years. I mean, we've had that with the Russians too. I don't think there's any specific specific <clears throat> importance to this particular case, but we have to be worried about it one time something goes wrong.
1: Right. You so know,
2: close. It was planned to be close, but sometimes there's a mistake that's made. The wind goes up. Who knows what can happen? And so we
1: always have to worry about that. So worldwide, global spy chiefs decided to meet in Singapore in some sort of a secret meeting. Do we know anything about that?
2: Not really. It's a secret. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Trading aircraft, I don't really know exactly what's, what's going on there. But uh, look, a lot, a lot of the spy agencies cooperate one with the other. They're both adversaries. I'm sure they have a lot in common. So it's a mixed bag interesting.
1: Mark Schulman again, the founder and publisher of a terrific multimedia website. I hope you check it out. HistoryCentral.com HistoryCentral.com. Mark, really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a great week, Bob. You as well. Thank you. Alright, coming up, we're going to visit with uh, Larry Reed. He is the President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show. Here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. To the Bob Harton Show. And now
1: here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, changing lives through exceptional theater experiences. Building a 44,000 square foot performing arts center in downtown Naples is going to be absolutely fabulous. You can find out more and get tickets for some great performances coming up. Visit the website, Playhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Jim McTague, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. Right now, we have with us Larry Reed. He is the President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Larry, thank you so much for joining us here on the show.
3: Hey, thank you, Bob.
1: My pleasure. Tell us about the Foundation for Economic (laughs) Education.
3: Okay. We are headquartered in Atlanta, Georgia, but our work takes us all over the country and sometimes abroad. We educate and inspire young people of high school and college age in ideas of individual liberty free enterprise small government private property and personal character we do that not only through our visits to campuses and schools but also through the website which is feefee.org and that contains uh, daily fresh uh, content as well as um, uh, videos and online courses
1: Great organization. I've been to the national conferences. It's great to see young people celebrating freedom and uh, personal responsibility. I encourage you to visit FEE.org, FEE.org. Larry, uh, we think about gold as uh, becoming more and more a a secure place to keep money, but uh, Winston Churchill decided to get involved in the gold standard in Great Britain, and that didn't work out so well.
3: That's right, and it was uh, not the fault of the gold standard. It was the fault of the way Uh, Winston Churchill tried to restore it uh, in the 1920s when he was chancellor of the Exchequer. Uh, Recall that during World War I, many countries went off of the gold standard. That's because they wanted to spend to uh, pay the enormous expenses of the war. And as is often the case in wartime, governments want to print money, and they can't do that if the money is tied to, uh, to gold. But in the 1920s, uh, Britain wanted to go back to gold after the war was over, and Churchill was the man in charge of arranging that. Mm-hmm. And what he should have done is recognize at the uh, uh, by the ratio of gold to paper money, he should have recognized that uh, Britain had printed a lot of paper money and it wasn't worth as much as it was before the war. But he tried to restore the gold standard. Um, at a rate of paper versus gold that sort of pretended as though it never printed any, and that was unsustainable. It would have lost lots of gold to places like the United States.
1: And, and not by a smaller margin. It was about 10%, was it?
3: <clears throat> yeah, it was 10%. That's plenty to drive gold <clears throat> away to places like the United States.
1: I think it's a, a great illustration of how sometimes meddling And free markets can create real serious problems. What were the consequences of this?
3: Well, one of them uh, actually is a very substantial consequence uh, over here in the United States. Uh, The U.S. wanted to assist Great Britain's attempt to restore the gold standard. So that Mm. was, you know, a good intention. Uh, But to do that, it felt that it had to weaken the dollar. Uh, If the uh, dollar was weakened by lower interest rates and the printing of additional dollars, then Britain wouldn't lose as much gold to the United States and it could maintain the uh, unrealistic uh, ratio of gold to paper. Uh, But, of course, what that did was to inflate the money supply here in the United States. That was one of the reasons we had the so-called Roaring Twenties and, of course, the big bust in 1929 and the subsequent Great Depression. Uh, Our attempt to make the British pound look better by weakening the dollar, uh, actually had the effect of producing a short-term bubble in the economy. And when it burst, we got the Great Depression.
1: Wow, I, that was that is news to me. I did, didn't realize that it had that kind of an impact. And by the way, uh, uh, when, Churchill's not the only one that started to meddle with the price of gold. Uh, we did that a couple of times in our own history, haven't we?
3: Oh, yes. Uh, right from the beginning, our first Treasury Secretary, Alexander Hamilton, uh, put the country on, or at least he intended to put the country on a bimetallic standard mm-hmm. in which we would use both gold and silver. But the problem was he fixed the price of one metal in terms of the other, and the price that he fixed to that wasn't quite the market price, and that created certain uh, incentives for gold to flow here and not flow there, and same with silver. And it uh, flipped us uh, actually to a de facto silver standard for a time. We only used silver. And then when Congress flipped it back in the 1830s, we flipped to a gold standard. So um, even though the intent was still to have both metals circulate.
1: And our gold standard, I think that ended under Nixon, did it not?
3: Uh, It did. Uh, Nixon broke uh, the last link. Uh, uh, Links to gold had been broken progressively over uh, several decades since Mm -hmm. the Federal Reserve was established in 1913. But by the time of uh, Richard Nixon's presidency, the only link that was left was that we honored redemption of our paper dollars into gold only for foreign central banks. And Nixon closed that uh, so-called gold window by ending redemption of paper dollars into gold uh, for central
1: banks. So interesting. And word has it, this could be humor, uh, rumor or uh, apocryphal, but... Uh... I understand that uh, global banks are buying up gold now.
3: I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, I have, uh, have not followed those trends, but uh, any time you see rising inflation, you find uh, 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 central banks in particular are accumulating gold because they, uh, you know, they have the inside track. They, <laughs> if they have reason to believe that inflation is uh, going to pick up, uh, yeah. then uh, they tend to accumulate gold as a hedge.
1: That's so interesting. So how does the story end up? Uh, Winston Churchill tried to establish an unrealistic price for gold. Uh, we had the Great Depression here in the United States. What was the outcome of all this?
3: Well, uh, the uh, restoration of the gold standard in Britain at that unrealistic rate was not sustainable. And sure enough, at the onset of the Great Depression, Britain went off of gold again. Uh, it just couldn't, couldn't last, and the Depression put additional pressure on, uh, on the money. So um, uh, unfortunately, it didn't do it right and it didn't last. Uh, but, uh, you know, Winston Churchill, though he was in many ways a very great man, um, economics was never his strong suit. Hmm. And he was personally in constant financial troubles himself.
1: That is so interesting. I've forgotten what the name of the book, uh, the movie that I just saw about Winston Churchill, not during uh, the Second World War, but before that. And uh, one of the points in the book was just on an uh, offside, is that his wife was complaining that she couldn't pay her bills.
3: (laughs) Oh, that was uh, the case all the time. In fact, I think that's the movie uh, uh, that Gary Oldman played. uh, Yes, uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, and there's a good book on uh, Churchill and his finances. It's called No More Champagne, <clears throat> Churchill and His Money by historian David Luff. And uh, he shows that uh, Churchill lived for most of his life on a financial cliff edge yeah. and uh, was not good at managing money.
1: Well, he uh, lived a high life. He liked to gamble, as I understand. And Yeah,
3: he gambled. He was not a very good stock market investor, and he was a <laughs> constantly tardy debtor. He, he chronically overdrew his checking account and he would purchase high end wines and liquors and cigars when he couldn't afford them.
1: But he was a great leader. It just goes, it's <laughs> so. Everybody has his warts. <laughs> warts and pimples, indeed. Again, uh, Larry Reed, the president emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Really encourage you if you have high school or college kids in your life somehow, let them know about FEE.org. Just check it out. It's really an incredible Organization, FEE.org, the fin- fin- uh, Foundation for Economic Education. Larry, really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and now author of Murder Mysteries, and he's written some great ones. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Hardin Broadcasting Network. <laughs> you will work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratispell Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. And unemployment is not going down, or going up.
0: Back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host,
1: Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. Here in the commercial about Blue Provence reminds me that they have one of the finest wine lockers in the world, one of the finest collections. It is noted as one of the world's finest, I think one of the top 100 in the world, if I'm not mistaken. So not only great food and great dining, but also great wine selection as well. We have with us Jim McTegg, former Barons Washington Bureau Chief and author of many books. His latest murder mysteries are Follow the Leader, its sequel, Shake the Money Tree, and its sequel, and his latest book, uh, No Problem. Jim, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. It's a pleasure, Bob. Jim, uh, I, I'd be curious about your thoughts on this uh, the deal, debt ceiling deal. It was negotiated by the president and uh, uh, Kevin McCarthy. What are your thoughts, and what do you think the outcome will be?
4: Well, you know, all us old-timers knew it was political theater, and there was never any real possibility of default, number one. So number two, uh, the president signed the debt deal on Saturday, and then he went on television, and I I assume somebody was watching, to proclaim that he saved the U.S. economy from collapse. So (laughs) So the big headline in the New York Times the next day, which is the woke paper, yeah. You know, you have to consider who their audience is. Uh, the big headline was about a train wreck in India, yeah. you know, so they, you know, so they were practically ignoring the that deal. And there's a big irony here because I think we're about to have a massive train wreck on Wall Street, and I'm I, I'm extremely bearish. And uh, wow. here's here's the reason. Yeah, you know, one of the big reasons is the May jobs report, which uh, the economist all figured we'd uh, created 190,000 jobs in May. And so the, the Bureau of Labor Statistics releases its report. Jobs increased by 339,000. So it, get, it, it has you wondering. Is the Federal Reserve using the same kind of model that these economists are using? And, and the model is so bad. And, and the analogy I use is if if these economists uh, in the 70s had been advising Evil Knievel on how fast he had to go back in the 70s when he jumped 14 uh, buses, mm-hmm. you know, stacked side by side in Cincinnati he would have crashed into uh, bus number seven. You know, yeah. the, the, the model is so bad. And it tells us that with all the Fed's aggressive tightening.
1: So I got to, uh, I'm just yeah. curious about your thoughts on this. I mean, uh, it seems to me there, there aren't, enough people to fill all these jobs that are being claimed. And I'm reading about side hustles. Corporations now are really saying we don't like the fact that people are taking on a second job to make ends meet. We'd prefer that they're working one job and working for us. Uh, Do you think it's possible that these side hustles are creating all these extra jobs?
4: I mean, it's possible that it has an impact. I think the reason there is a discrepancy between job openings you know, mm-hmm. and the actual employment figure. I mean, job openings exceed uh, the number of people getting jobs. Uh, I think the reason is companies have become uh, uber-selective, and they're using, if you talk to young people who are applying for jobs, uh, they have to prepare a resume for each company that will uh, p- pass muster with that particular company's algorithm. I mean, initially, the application isn't reviewed by a human being. A machine goes over it and rejects uh, maybe ninety percent of the people. Number one. So because the companies, so so I have a, a young friend who's looking for a new tech job, and he says he never applies through the the, the uh, employment process. He he gets someone within the company to recommend him, so that he can uh, leapfrog. Uh, the algorithms, uh, which uh, which he says is you know it's almost impossible <laughs> to to get get around them because uh, they they're looking for perfection that doesn't exist in the human race. So uh, so I think that's a I think that's a huge reason. Uh, the other huge reason is drug usage. Uh, you know, and, and years ago uh, when I worked at Barrons, and I would travel through the Ohio Valley every election. And I would stop and talk to small manufacturers. And they couldn't hire back then. And the reason was applicants couldn't pass two simple tests. Uh, they couldn't pass an algebra test because high schools are so bad. And they couldn't pass a urine test <laughs> because they're all using drugs. Yeah. So, so, so I mean, um, you know, we're down to the dregs in the employment pool right now. And that's another reason that there's a discrepancy between job openings and people who are working.
1: Yeah, and also I guess the military is lowering its standards now in order to get into the military uh, because they can't get enough people coming into the military. I think it may have something to do with some of their wokeness that's uh, been applied to the uh, to the services.
4: Yeah, I'm a proponent, uh, having flunked the draft in the, the Vietnam War, let I me mean, full disclosure, I think we need a draft again, uh, because the cal you know the caliber of, of the soldiers is so low, and I mean uh, uh, you don't want the criminal class uh, dominating your uh, yeah. your troops. So um,
1: I think you're you're onto something there. I I support that as well. My only concern about having I would like I would suggest a universal draft where every uh, young person uh, serves a year or year, year and a half two years. In the service of some service to the country of some sort, it's working out well in Israel. It could work out well here. The only concern I have about it, though, is that politics getting involved and somehow, some way, indoctrination and propaganda get involved in the whole process and the training.
4: Uh huh. Well, you know, the I guess the way around that would be to go in the National Guard, where the governors have some say, and, oh. and you know, the, we could have weekend warriors. And uh, you know, it could give a lot of the uh, young people a kind of discipline and, and a spirit core that the uh, you know they, we just don't see. I mean, this is you know you have to wonder why uh, young people in the inner city are running around uh, shooting each other dead. I mean, that, that's a a, a a huge crisis for the country, and 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 maybe. Uh, the military training would be an outlet to, yeah. to help uh, get these people thinking correctly.
1: Well, you know what, Jim? I saw something. This could be apocryphal because I found it on the Internet, and I probably shouldn't even bring this up, but I, I saw that if, in fact, you eliminated Washington, D.C., uh, uh, Chicago, Illinois, and a couple of other cities, Los Angeles, out of the statistics with regard to uh, murders and uh, by uh, guns, uh, we dropped down to 189th out of 192 co- countries in the world for for <laughs> murders. So it's it's really actually really con- uh, concentrated in just a couple of areas.
4: Yeah, and they're all run by uh, Democrats. So, That's right. Uh, it's it's a social issue. Hey, the other thing that scares me though, the Saudis just raised uh, oil prices, so yeah. that that fuels inflation and it it makes the Fed's job even harder uh you know from the very beginning of the inflation fight i've been telling people that you know we'll probably be fighting inflation 2024 2025 you know we we've been through this yeah. in the 70s and it's not that easy
1: yeah so i don't uh, want to bury the lead here but uh, i want to get to the point why are we going to have why are you so bearish on the market well because the banks are still in big
4: trouble, too. And if you look at the headlines on the banks, uh, they are selling their commercial real estate loans, even the performing ones, the good Mm -hmm. ones, at deep discounts, because they see a collapse of the commercial real estate market. There are headlines that because of the debt deal, Treasury is going to go to market and sell a lot of the Treasury bills and bonds. So what that does is they have to sell them at a very attractive rate of interest. Uh, That's going to To drain money from the stock markets, you know, stock investors are going to think, "Gee, these stocks are kind of pricey here, and here's a guaranteed rate of interest from the Treasury that's uh, pretty good."
1: Mm -hmm. So,
4: so that will cause the uh, stock market to correct uh, radically, I think. And then we have developments with the uh, war in the Ukraine. I I don't think it's going as well as the Ukrainians advertise, right. and there's going to be some cost to us there. So, I'm, I mean, I just see clouds everywhere, and I'm generally a glass-half-full person, but I'm really an empty glass person right now.
1: Yeah, so interesting. Jim McDeg again, former Barron's Washington Bureau chief and author of some great murder mysteries. His latest... Uh, no Problem is the name of the book by Jim McTague M-C capital T-A-G-U-E Jim, really appreciate your commentary here on the show Thank you so much for joining us Thank you, Bob My pleasure indeed Well, that's a wrap here on today's show I hope you enjoyed it Tomorrow we're going to visit with Kathleen Pasadomo, Our state senator As well as president of the state senate here in Florida We'll also visit with Boo Mortensen Seton Motley is the founder and president of List Government Will be joining us as well I always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com, bobharden at hotmail.com. Also, if you enjoy the uh, show, tell your friends. That's one of the ways we reward our advertisers for supporting us here on the show. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. (laughs)